Today's read, Midnight, a gangster love story by Sister Soldier, chapter 46, The White Zone. Early Tuesday morning, we made prayer. I took the train ride in with Uma as usual. I asked her if she had known that Uma Designs needed to pay taxes to the American government. She looked at me strangely and said, I go to work every day at the factory. When they pay me, they have already deducted the money for taxes from my paycheck. That's what I pay them. At 10 a.m., I was at the lawyer's office. Saul Slursberg's home is his to sell. He is debt-free as far as liens against his home are concerned. His deed is old. I can update it for you with his consent. Also, I would advise you to spend the money and have the home inspected before your mom agrees to the sale or signs anything, the lawyer said. Mr. Slursberg has already said that if anything's broke, we should just fix it, I informed her. It's an as-is deal. Well, usually, if something is not right with the house and the inspector confirms this fact after his inspection, you can negotiate to have the amount it will cost you for the house repairs deducted from the overall selling price of the house. That's not happening here. 80000 for this guy is the magic number. We've looked at a lot of properties. The ones that Uma likes are out of our price range. This place is the only one so far that is in the right location for work and school at the right price. Mr. Slursberg is an old guy. He wants to get out of New York quick, I said. Yes, maybe too quickly. Maybe you'll sign these papers and hand over your money and he will leave so fast your head spins. Then you find out your house is wired all wrong and is a fire hazard. Or your air conditioning doesn't work and it's June. Or God forbid, the plumbing is jammed and the plumber wants 5,000 to lay new pipes. Meanwhile, your toilets are backed up and the whole house stinks. Slow down, I told her, easy. I understand. We'll get the inspections. Sorry, she said, slowing down and content that she seemed to have won her argument and made her point. I want to ask you a couple of questions about taxes, I said, leaning forward in my chair on the opposite side of her desk. You're wearing a ring today, she observed, on your married finger. After completing my business with the lawyer, I headed to the Museum of Modern Art. I wanted to see the place where Akimi would have her exhibit. I wanted to have an idea what she was involved in and thought just maybe she would be over there too. The museum was situated in what I refer to as a white zone. I never take my guns into white zones. I stash them before and pick them up later. White zones are closed in areas where it is guaranteed that there will be metal detectors, security, 
and constant police patrols. White zones are areas where I already know there won't be many black people, where I will be an obvious standout and automatic suspect. It is very easy to get picked up in a white zone because the authorities are all the time wondering what the fuck you're doing there and what the fuck do you want? The museum was a nice looking, well-kept, oddly shaped facility where it was clear that millions of dollars were being spent to keep the lights on, the thick glass windows shining, the turnstiles and security desk operating, the huge bookstore in the lobby stacked with an inventory of thousands of intriguing items and the pictures and displays mounted, framed, and lit up. At the museum entrance before the security desk, there were seven metal easels on which thick boards were mounted advertising the upcoming exhibit and exhibitors. Seven continents seven geniuses seven youths the display was titled underneath the board for asia was a huge black and white photograph of my wife akimi nakamura the caption beneath her photo read as soon as she sees you you're captured looking at her picture i could see that it was taken before we met Her ears were not pierced in the photo. I looked at the way her thick black hair, black eyes, and full lips were pulling me. I wondered if they were pulling everyone else also. Their description of Akimi read, 16-year-old Akimi Nakamura is the Japanese-born artist who swept our art competition and best represents the artistic talents of the youth of Asia. She has mastered the unique style of combining pencils, markers, and paints together on one surface. Her original artwork also contains numerous creative surprises that make it stand out from the work of her peers. Her greatest talent, however, is her photographic memory. She despises drawing or painting using mounted objects or models. It is believed that she can look at her subject once, close her eyes, then open them and bring it to life on her canvas in great detail by memory. She is a unique talent, unlike any artist the world has known. Her eyes are more precise than a camera. This is why we say, as soon as she sees you, you are captured. Behind me now were three or four people also taking a look, but not a glance because they didn't leave right away. They stared instead. An attendant in matching pants and vests approached the gathering crowd that was beginning to block the museum entrance. Welcome to the Museum of Modern Art. This exhibit will be featured on Saturday, May 3rd here at the MoMA and will be on display for three months up until August 3rd. 
a reception will be held in our auditorium welcoming these seven young artists who have poured their hearts out onto canvas for your viewing and enjoyment. Will you be joining us in the museum today? She asked, pointing towards the desk where the entrance fees were being collected. I stepped to the side, away from the group and towards their attractive bookstore. I was looking around and not looking all at once. I was thinking about the phrase, seven geniuses, seven continents. I was wondering if I really ever thought of Akimi as a genius. I thought of how I had lived my life in America, preferring to be anonymous, yet had somehow attracted and married a female who was selected to represent a continent of almost four billion people, with India and China having more than one billion souls each. I tried to bring it all into perspective, telling myself that not all of the people on the continent of Asia were young, so she wasn't really representing all four billion of them. Not everybody on the continent of Asia was an artist, so she wasn't really competing with very many. However, my excellent math skills betrayed me because my mind had already calculated that 1% of 4 billion is 400 million. If even half of 1% of 4 billion teen artists competed in the Asian teen art competition, then there still were 200 million contestants. If the contest sponsors did a lousy job and failed to look at all of the artists' work and just settled on the best out of 5,000 teen artists, Akimi still would be considered a phenom. A phenom of international importance and clout. In falling in love with her, honestly, I had not considered her in this way as a woman who belonged more to the world than to me. As she blew up in significance in my mind, I began to feel local and small. An African boy from thousands of miles away who was just trying to protect and help provide for his mother and sister by building and maintaining a small family business who also worked in a small fish shop and fought in a small dojo and conquered small men like Tafari in conflict who were even smaller. I thought of my father, who was a phenomenon himself, an international phenomenon. I thought of how he saw the whole globe as his backyard and traveled freely around the world with no fear, defeating any circumstances that tried to hold him back and, more importantly, propelling himself forward and protecting his interests, his family, and even his culture. I thought of him as the scientist and builder he was and the great things he built as evidence and testimony to his greatness. I stood trapped in my thoughts, breaking myself down to nothing, and then building myself back up again, stronger. If I am my father's son and he is a phenom, then I should at least be a small wonder. If she 
an artist obsessed with creating and recreating beautiful finds, found me, then I must at least be beautiful. If my world is small and hers is so large, then she, who must have seen so very much and traveled so very far, was like a collector of rare jewels, wasn't she? She tossed the rocks to the ground, sold off the rubies, emeralds, and diamonds, and held on to one particular gem, the most authentic, purest, shiniest, most valuable one for only herself to keep, didn't she? Building further, I told myself that I might operate in a small world, but I am not small-minded and I am not a small man. I thought of my grandfather from southern Sudan who when I would be standing still in his village would say, There is no reason to go anywhere else. You are already in the best place in the world and everything that is actually needed in life is already here. He would also say that I was born great by origin and blood. Our relationship was pure. It happened between us and never involved the artificial or official or material elements of this world. It was an energy so powerful words would have only gotten in the way. It was a collage of smiles, glances, and looks along with an incredible effort to read each other's thoughts and convey our feelings. It was a mutual admiration and respect of two young souls in awe of one another. Lastly, I reminded myself that I was not seeing wrong when I looked into Akimi's eyes. I was not feeling wrong when I was on the other side of her touch, her kiss, our love. Thank you.